Hello and welcome to the DFS Coach Talk podcast. I am your host, Mike Apatria, joined by my wonderful friend, Shane. Shane, I've heard so much about you. Uh, I've listened to you. A lot of promising things. I'm excited. I, want, I know you've already been welcomed, but I wanted to welcome you because we this is pretty much our first time really talking. So uh, I'm glad to have you here, man. You're loaded with some football knowledge. I'm excited to kind of you know peel you back, get some of that out of there. I know a lot of our listeners are going to be excited about it. But uh, we're here on a wonderful Saturday afternoon. Uh, I think we're both pretty much on that East Coast time, so it's right around 12 o'clock. But uh, the sun's shining out here, man. I don't know how it is over there for you, but how are you doing this morning? I'm doing good, man. Thank, yeah, thanks, Mike. I appreciate you uh, having me on. And yeah, it's Saturday. Uh, it doesn't really feel like the weekend because, you know, nowadays we don't really know what it, what day it is half the time. But yeah, it's Saturday and I did see the sun peak out a little bit uh, So this morning. So that that's a good thing. That, that, that keeps us excited here up in the Midwest where, uh, you know, it's a long winter time. It still feels like winter almost, you know. <laughs> Yeah, well, we it's it's New England weather for us over here as well. So one day it's snow and the next day it's 75. And I think we're getting to 75 today. It looks gorgeous outside. I'm not going to lie. So I know I'm going to try to maybe stroll around and look for a lone basketball hoop on a dead end street that hasn't been touched in a few years or something. Yeah, uh, yeah. But you it, sanitize the basketball. Yeah, I got to sanitize <laughs> the basketball. I'll hit the rim. Whatever I need. I'll get four four or five shots up just to get it. Uh, maybe I'll go to the store and get one of those Nerf hoops. I need to get one of those, order it off Amazon, uh, yeah. drop it off. But uh, we got a lot to get to. Yeah, absolutely. We have a lot to get to. We're talking about one of the, I would say, one of the premier teams in the league, the Seahawks. Uh, pretty excited. I know Santino is going to be listening on this show. He's a diehard Seahawks fan. Uh, he actually wanted he wanted me to trade with him. He wanted to do the Seahawks, but I said, you know what, bud? I, the weekends are my days, man. I, I look forward to these afternoon podcasts where I got my coffee ready to go. So I know he's going to be listening tightly, uh, and I, I'm sure a lot of other people are because there's a lot of information that we're going to you know touch over. We're going to touch on quarterbacks, running backs, receivers, tight ends, overall defenses, uh, you know their team overall defense as well as you know what they're you know necessarily got their holes where we can attack them with other teams as well. Uh, draft picks, tons of information. We're two and a half minutes into this podcast, and I feel like it's not going to be enough time. We still have 58 minutes, but we could I feel like we could talk Seahawks all day long, man. But why don't you break us down, uh, jump right into it, give us a nice brief overview of how they did in the 2019 season. Yeah, yeah. Look, Seahawks are a great team. Hopefully we don't disappoint Santino too much, you know, if we don't, <laughs> uh, you know give them glaring reviews on everything. But yeah, great team. Uh, you know, Seahawks last year, they came in, you know, a little bit questionable, definitely on defense. Offense, people were a little skeptical of how many weapons they had. Uh, but yeah, 11 and 5 season last year, second in the NFC West, only to the 49ers. They made the wild card. They beat the Eagles, which the Eagles weren't really a great playoff team, but they did beat the Eagles in the wild card round. And then they lost a really close matchup to the Packers in the divisional round. So they weren't, weren't that far from making it to the NFC championship. Um, and I feel like they've probably gotten a little bit better this year. We'll, we'll see how it goes. Overall team offense, this is ranked, you know, they're ranked eighth overall. So great offense, uh, almost 6,000 yards total offense. So definitely a great offense to attack here. Um, but they do run a little bit slower pace, pace. They're 20th in pace. And overall, when they're healthy, they want to run the ball. They want to control the clock. Uh, clock management, uh, that's a big philosophy there, 20th in pace. Uh, so they were ranked fourth in rushing yards at 2,200 rushing yards. So a great rushing team. Um, not always the most efficient in terms of yards per carry, but they will just keep pounding it at you, very consistent. 
with the fundamentals in the rushing game. So I thought they were pretty good there. They were ranked 14th in passing yards at 33,791 yards uh, for, uh, for team uh, yards. Now that's factored in. Russell Wilson actually threw for quite a bit more than that. But keep in mind, team passing yards are minus when you're sacked. And this team took uh, a lot of sacks there, too. So overall, good offense. But we have to keep in mind for DFS what they want to do, what they want to accomplish, which is they want to run the ball. So if you're checking out game logs for later in the season, you may get the impression that they want to air the ball out and that these receivers are going to get a lot of passes or tight ends. That may not always be the case, but you got to really keep in mind the injuries, the people that they lost. Uh, they lost, uh, you know, Chris Carson. They lost Rashad Penny at certain times of the year. So that really changed the dynamic of this offense where they couldn't do what they wanted to do. So that's something to keep in mind. But it all really starts uh, starts and ends with their star uh, quarterback, uh, Russell Wilson. Um, he's really the leader, one of the best quarterbacks in the game. Um, so uh, what, what do you think about uh, Russell Wilson there, Mike, Mike uh, for this upcoming season? I mean, I, when it comes to Russell Wilson, it's it's written in stone. The, you know, the guy's an absolute stud. Uh, give give Santino his props real quick. He's been hyping Russ, Russ up since his rookie season. Uh, he's one of the people that, you know, uh, knew this was going to be this is what he was going to be. And he specifically wanted me to mention uh, because this is something he wanted to mention. So I will I will plug you, Santino. I will say uh, I guess his college coach basically told him to his at NC State to give up on football. Uh, that he would never play is not worth it wasn't worth his time and then I asked him I, you know I actually never heard that did he say you know maybe you should go play baseball you know he didn't say go play baseball either he just said give up on football basically didn't think he had the athleticism for it and uh you know now he's just one of the most efficient passers that that walks the field right now so I think when you look at Russell Wilson that's one thing that you know he's always going to be an efficient passer he's always going to make the smart play the right play um you know one of the things when we we're just talking about how many sacks that they that they have it's also because he's very smart and he's willing to take a sack he's willing to go down he doesn't try to extend a play too much where it can get himself into trouble where you're throwing across the field and throwing an interception or maybe you're getting stra uh, strip sacked from behind because you're trying to extend it with the ball hanging like a loaf of bread um he's a very very smart and efficient passer so uh looking at his numbers 66.1's completion percentage last season uh you can't expect much better from that it, it, it's the guy is going to be able to still get things done on the feet. Uh, he's always has, I think, about three to four rushing touchdowns per season, usually about 200 to 300 yards, give or take. So, um, you know, he's going to get, you know, that little extra potential where you're probably going to get about four points on average, I would say, on the ground from him uh, in DFS per game. So um, I'm all over him. I mean, we talked about this before we kind of got on air, and it's all about with Russ Wilson targeting the right game. So uh, I don't want to steal your thunder. You know, you you put a, a great emphasis on this earlier. So I want you to talk about, you know, the types of games that you're looking to target Russ Wilson in. Yeah. So, you know, again, with with Chris Carson healthy, if if the uh, if their defense is able to, you know, hold off the other team and just able to control the clock, the time of possession and rush the ball like they like to. That's not going to be necessarily a game you want to target. You want to look for those shootout games where the D Seattle defense does not match up well and there's they're scoring a lot. And, uh, you know, Russell Wilson is going to be forced to come from behind. And, and those are the games where, you know, he was able to attack there and, and really air it out, um, especially with all the injuries they had. Um, yeah. So Russell Wilson, you know, keep in mind, probably one of the best quarterbacks in the league for real life football, real life NFL doesn't always equate to NFL to uh, for DFS, 
for fantasy because there's going to be some game scripts where he's just they're just going to run the ball and he's just going to be efficient. He can just hit a couple passes and and that's and that's it. You know, a couple good plays. Um, so you've seen that from him, but he did have really good games. So on on DraftKings, he had his ceiling games were 44.34, 42.22, which is awesome, and then dropped off a little bit, 29.92 and 28.9. Um, and then from there, he had quite a few games above 20, but then he had a couple duds where it was just, you know, game script uh, type thing. So you just had to keep that in mind with uh, Russell Wilson that he's, you know, it is one of those things where you really want to watch it, watch the game script and how you think the game is going to go. Is it going to be a shootout? Um, because they don't really want to play like that. And I don't think Russell Wilson wants to run the ball that much either because he wants to stay healthy and make a playoff run. So, yeah, he had 75 rushing attempts for 342 yards and three touchdowns, which is solid. But he's really only running when he absolutely has to. He's not running just to run like some of these other quarterbacks. So that's something that we have to keep in mind with him. But he's a great target overall fantasy quarterback three. But if you're trying to hit those ceiling games, you got to better be really careful on what their strategy is for that week and who they're facing up against, because uh, it's not a guarantee he's going to hit that, you know? Yeah. And it's, it's not the type of quarterback that you want to like double stack receivers with either, because like you just kind of mentioned, the pass attempts generally aren't there. They want to control the clock when, you know, when you're looking for those kinds of receivers that you want to, you know, double stack, maybe you want to go with like a, a Cooper cup or Brandon cooks. That was an, a pretty popular one. You'd see a lot of people do like Will Fuller and Hopkins at point like that, because the, the, you know, you get that big boom upside from Will Fuller for three catches, a hundred, yards and a touchdown and then you get the 10 receptions from Hopkins and the good game from Watson so um, I don't think that they're in that same situation you know when Russell Wilson has a good game it's efficiently done uh, you know 300 350 passing yards two three touchdowns but he spreads the ball out pretty evenly we saw the way in the past that he kind of utilizes tight ends he spreads his looks around he, even trusting DK Metcalf that long into the season when he was sixth in the NFL and drops so he knows where to go with the ball at the right times. Tyler Lockett's his guy to kind of push the chains. He has all the faith into him. He actually, you know, went out there on on quote and on script saying that Tyler Lockett's got the best hands in the NFL and he's willing to put his uh, his, his paycheck on it. So yeah. um, I'm excited with, about him. And I, I think I'm kind of with you on the same aspect of it's all going to be about the game script. Uh, you know, if they're fa- uh, playing a poor defense, it may look like on paper that's the one you want to target them in. It's probably not, though, because if they get an early lead, it's going to be running the ball down and it's going to be the Chris Carson show to uh, closing out the fourth quarter. And really, the reason why they do that is it really plays into Russell Wilson's strengths. Uh, you know, the offensive line's not really great at pass protecting, you know, but Russell Wilson is so creative. He can, he can, you know, extend plays. He's really one of the best quarterbacks ever for off script plays. Um, but my point is Russell Wilson threw for 31 touchdowns and five interceptions. So he is extremely efficient, you know, really probably the best at that. Uh, but because he's really efficient, they, they don't want to just keep airing it out. They Those stats right there tell you they want to play it more safe and take their shots when they can with, you know, play action passing, rollouts, those type of things with Russell Wilson and just be more efficient rather than a high volume offense and then just run the ball and, and, and excel that way. Uh, they just want to wear teams out and play old school football. I think that's what Pete Carroll's all about. He still believes in those old school philosophies. And Russell Absolutely. Wilson is the perfect quarterback for that. Um, Cause he doesn't have to have a lot of volume to do, to do well. And he doesn't turn the ball over, you know, complete opposite of a team like, you know, Tampa Bay the last year, the Jameis Winston 
constantly turning the ball over, slinging the ball all over the place. But those are when we were just talking about stacking wires. You, you would definitely stack Mike Evans and Chris Godwin with him because you Absolutely. know you're getting volume. You don't care how many interception throws. Complete opposite here, right? Ball control, low turnovers. Uh, you know, all about being old school football. Uh, so that's just one of the things you just have to understand the the coach's philosophy. They have the same offensive coordinator, Brian Schottenheimer, uh, Pete Carroll, obviously an excellent coach. And that's just who they are. So you have to understand who they are and what they want to do. And you really can't buy into it too much towards the end of the year in the playoffs in the last year. Cause remember their all their starting running backs were injured and they had guys like Travis Homer, you know, as their top running backs, <laughs> you know, not the guy you want to hand the ball off to 20 times a game. It's kind of no, scary. No. They did and want I, to win, right? <laughs> and, Pero, and Pete Carroll, like you said, he's always had that philosophy of just dominating the line of scrimmage uh, defensively, you know, pounding it with the, uh, with the running backs, controlling the tempo, controlling the pace. And then even on the defensive, uh, defensive side, we've seen when they, you know, bring in a guy like Javadi on cloudy, he likes to dominate that line of scrimmage on both sides and basically almost control the tempo with his defense as well. So I don't expect that to change same offensive coordinator, like you said. So it's almost like, you know, they're pretty much bringing back the exact same offense with just a few different pieces. Very, not, not any like, you know, altering changes that we need to really be too concerned over. Um, obviously, with experience for some of these younger guys we could see that you know impact some of their differences but we're going to slide right over to running back i think uh yeah. you know we've, we've been we've been talking about him uh plenty and we've been touching on his name left and right it's chris carson uh you know absolutely great a great season last season you know barring that hip injury um he looked like he was on his well on his way to about about you know 1400 yards uh but 278 attempts 1230 yards ranked fifth in the league in uh rushing yards seven touchdowns one issue in his game and it continues to kind of plague him is fumbles so you know seven fumbles only lost one of them but has a real tough time holding onto the rock and that as we've seen in the past can be a difference maker for head coaches and then injury so you know he's a guy that's you know dealt with a fractured hip last season tore his acl in high school broke his ankle his rookie season, and he's missed 15 games over the past three seasons. So he put together enough to show us what his true potential is, and I think that's the only thing we need to be worried about going into the season. He's expected to be ready by the time camp's open, so that's that's the benefit for him. But why don't you jump into Chris Carson, kind of what your expectations are for him, for us in DFS going into the season? Yeah, so Chris Carson, obviously really high on this guy. We're talking about in DFS, you want – you know, consistent known volume, you know, you want to be able to see the volume, see the production there. Um, I think their offensive line is improved, which we'll talk about later, but I believe that if he can stay healthy, he is going to get uh, probably around 300 rushing attempts and uh, he's going to go for uh, probably upwards of 1500 rushing yards. Uh, And he has upside to get up to, I think, 10 touchdowns in, in the rushing game alone. Plus he can still catch some of those screen passes and gets and catch some passes. He's not elite at that, but he that is something that he did improve on last year. 37 catches uh, was pretty good. Only 266 yards, couple touchdowns. But considering the amount of rushing volume we have, that's huge. So top DK games he had, um, he was hovering around 30 30 points for his top games. 29.7, 28.7, and then 25 and 22 games on FanDuel. Uh, I think he was pretty good as well because he's not a big PPR guy. Uh, and he, again, on FanDuel, you're looking for volume. You're looking for touchdown upside. He had 26.2 points, 23.9, 21.1, and 18.8. Uh, 
Now, keep in mind, he wasn't the most expensive running back. He was in that nice middle sweet spot. So that allows you to uh, load up on other positions. Um, so he was a good value in terms of his uh, his multiplier, uh, you know, the type of value you're getting for what you're paying. His price went up a little bit towards the end of the year. But if you hit on him earlier in the year, he was a great value. Absolutely. Very productive. And now we're looking at Rashad Penny. Uh, was it? I think he tore his ACL. So, yeah, he's, yeah, he's going to be out. And so there's really no one to take. Uh, we'll talk about a couple of these deeper guys. There's really no one to take away his volume. So it's this guy is going to be a workhorse running back a through three down back. And he's definitely a target uh, in the correct game script and matchup. Uh, he's definitely a target. He's going to be a consistent target. And it'll be interesting to see how they price him if, if his price is down early in the year, too. Absolutely. And I think, you know, specifically for DFS, we don't need to worry about the injury as much. Obviously, if he goes down, we'll know going into that week if it's, you know, unless it happens first, second quarter. In that case, that can happen to anybody. There's nothing you can do about that. Um, You know, so the factors that you might be worried about more in like those season long leagues, the injuries, the fumbles, the things of that nature. You a we don't have to worry about it looks like it looks like Penny's going to start on the pup list, which would make him ineligible to play until at least week seven. So if that's the case, he, he really has nobody chopping at the bits and, and, you know, attempting to even steal this job uh, behind him. He's built enough trust in this coaching staff. The fact that they kept him in there with seven fumbles itself just speaks for his talent and speaks for, you know, that they want it. They want to trust this guy. Um, they want to, you know, give him the confidence and knowing that his job's not on the line if he fumbles one more time and things like that. So, uh, you know, maybe once week seven rolls around, Penny was extremely efficient in the little bit of a uh, little amount of carries he did have last season. Um, you know, obviously he struggled tremendously early on. I mean, coming out of the gate, the job was up in the air for both of them uh, pretty much at that point. But, you know, really started to turn it on towards the end of the year, year uh, season up until the point where he tore his ACL. So I think once he does come back into the mix, we might see them kind of divvy out the carries a little bit more evenly. Uh, you know, Carson still being the lead back, but maybe more of like a, a 70-30 split or a 65-35 split. They're going to want to get Penny involved. But early on in the season, um, I think we could attack Chris Carson in those matchups, like we said, where we know that they're going to have a lead. They're going to tr- control the clock. It's going to be an easy win for him because they're going to look to grind the game out with him and most likely probably test his injury. You know, a guy coming back off of a hip injury is no joke. He fractured his hip. Um, they're going to have to test this at some point and make sure that this guy could take a workload throughout the season. Yeah, if they're if they're ha- uh, if he's healthy, they're, they don't have any problem giving him 30 carries, mm-hmm. which is rare in today's NFL with all these committees. So that's what makes him so valuable is, is that is that volume. He's also just a tough physical runner. You know, he can break tackles. He's got a little bit of burst, a little bit of quickness, but he's just a powerful runner in between the tackles. And that's what they want to do. They got some pretty, pretty big offensive linemen. Um, so if those offensive linemen stay healthy, they can really they can really create some space for him. And the guy, yeah, you don't want to meet this guy in the hole if you're like a safety or a corner. I mean, it, you're even a linebacker. He's, he's physical, you know? So. Yeah, absolutely. And he, and you speak on his physicality. He's, it's not like that means he has no, he's not agile too. The guy's a pretty much a complete running back. He was, I think, I believe he had 85 missed tackles last season. So I think that was best, you know, sixth best in the NFL when you're talking about guys just missing tackles. Uh, they trust him in the red zone, even with the fumbles, he's still 13th in red zone carry. So um, I think that they're, they're, you know, they're looking to really capitalize with, with Carson this year. Uh, he's he's clearly a major part of their offense. He's on his way to working towards an extension. Um, they're going to probably have to opt to extensions, extend him. But, you know, it's coming in a rough time where you see guys like McCaffrey getting 16 million a year. And um, that might that might have an impact. But, you know, coming off of a major injury, uh, I could see them easily locking him up for, you know, somewhere around the 10 million, maybe a 
$1.5 million mark uh, and having their running back of the future pretty much just secure for the next few seasons. Yeah, because I don't think they trust uh, Rashad Penny solely. You know, obviously they took him first round draft pick. A little bit of a disappointment, but he still has some upside there. Um, a little bit about Rashad Penny. Uh, you know, he, he, he had an average uh, yards per rush, 5.7. So he broke some long runs and he was pretty good when he was in there. Just he's very inconsistent. He had 65 rushes, 370 yards and three touchdowns. He only played 10 games. Um, but he did his best games on DraftKings for Rashad Penny, 26.7 and 21.9 and FanDuel 24.7 and 18.9. So he had a couple splash games. If you hit it in those weeks, you were going to make probably a lot of money because he was fairly cheap and fairly low owned there. Um, but the problem is, is figuring out when those weeks are going to be. That's something that when he comes back uh, towards this is going to be towards the end of the year. Once he's healthy, uh, he's something that a guy that you might target. He's more of a GPP play, though. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And I think a lot of those big games, he had a few a few like four or five receptions in as well. Um, he's he's a pretty decent pass catcher. And I can see him maybe chipping into the role a little bit on that for Carson. Um, that's the one the one thing I could see when, you know, week seven, week eight, when he does return, he may be the three down back here and there because he does break off some explosive big plays and he does still have that explosive upside. So um, that's the one that's the one caveat I think that he could eat into Carson's. But I, I don't barring an injury, it's going to be Carson's job until he loses it outside of injury and maybe fumbles seven or eight more times again this season. And Pete Carroll starting to lose his mind if those fumbles come in big moments where it costs you know, the game, you really start to, you know, tighten the chain a little bit but we have to wait and see on uh, about this extension too because i think that's going to say a lot about how the seahawks view and uh, value him going forward especially you know after you see you know marshawn lynch came back last season you know quick exit and then they draft the kid uh, i believe in those like the sixth round this season so um you know also preparing themselves as well just in case uh bad things don't go their way as far as that contract yeah so they got uh dj Dallas out of Miami in the fourth round. So they obviously view him as a player that might be able to develop at least for a backup role. Um, They're going to need probably a solid backup, especially with Penny out at the beginning of the year. Uh, So DJ Dallas, he, he was pretty solid at Miami, but not really impressive. Wasn't a huge rushing attack there, but he's 5'10", 215 pounds. He ran a 4'6", 4'40 yard dash at the combine. So not great there. A little bit more of a power runner, not super, uh, doesn't have that top end speed. He had 115 rushes at Miami last year, 693 yards, 6.0 average. So he had a good average uh, per attempt and eight touchdowns. Didn't do a whole lot in the receiving game, you know, caught a few passes here, 14 passes, 140 yards, two touchdowns. So I don't see him as a guy that's going to be huge right out the gate, but with these injury histories, he could uh, move up the depth chart quick and, and definitely be a change of pace uh, guy to spell Carson. Um, and they'll, those will, they'll be competing with the guys like Travis Homer and those type of guys. And we'll see those, you know, those guys are depth guys and kind of third down backs. Uh, they're not, they're not great. Um, so what do you think about those guys? Well, that's exactly what they have pretty much. I just talked about Penny eating into a little bit of Carson's, you know, receiving workload, but it's CJ Procise is probably going to be the best receiving back out of the whole bunch. Uh, you yeah. know, he's a guy throughout his career. He's been in the league five years. Even when he was back in Detroit, he was kind of known for being a big play pass catcher. So um, that's kind of his role. So, I, I you know, it's going to be hard barring injury. I think they took this guy mostly for special teams and then, you know, 
break glass in case of emergency. Carson goes down. Penny's uh, health is still deteriorate, uh, deteriorating. Um, you know, Homer's not panning out, whatever. So now they have another guy just to call up and, you know, give a shot. Uh, obviously, they saw something that they liked in this kid. He didn't have a huge workload while he was in college. And maybe that's what they saw that they liked. Obviously, less miles on a guy sometimes is better. We've seen guys like Le'Veon Bell when he came out of Michigan State. I think he had like something like 370 carries or something absurd in one season. So uh, there's, there's, you know, that could be a factor that they just need somebody that they know is going to be just healthy and somewhat reliable uh, to throw in there break glass yeah. everybody gets hurt i mean he's not yeah the, this dj dallas is more of a in between the tackles type physical kind of runner so i think that's why they like him um because that's what they want to do really is you know win in between the tackles and just wear teams out so yep so we'll, we'll, we'll keep an eye on him in training camp for sure and early in the year see how he does in preseason so now what about the wide receiver position i know uh Sure, you're you're probably a big fan of Tyler Lockett, or I'm assuming at least Santino is. So, what do you what do you think about uh, Tyler Lockett here? <laughs> I'm a bit. I'm act, I think I'm actually the Lockett fan okay. in in that group right there. Yeah, I, you know, we always touch on our season long leagues. Me and him are very competitive, and we go into these drafts pretty much like, all right, I'll see you in the finals, buddy, uh, and just kind of look at it in that aspect. And I did have Tyler Lockett, so I I was all over once Baldwin left town. Uh, that was a major focus for me is that these targets have to go somewhere. Yes, they brought in Metcalf and we expected him, uh, you know, to be an impact athletic freak and, you know, obviously not the best combine, but uh, Lockett's his go-to receiver. It's his number one target. He's got some of the best hands in the NFL. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm all over him. 110 targets last season, 82 receptions. Um, and, you know, he makes the most with his catches too. He's not a big guy. He's only 5'10". But Russell Wilson's not afraid to look at him in the red zone for those quick slants, those back corner fades, back shoulder fades. He's the guy he's going to on third down to move the chains. Um, I believe he only dropped one one or two passes. I think it was last year or the year before. But his, uh, his catch percentage last season, 74.5%. The year prior to that, 81.4%. So he has one of the best catch percentages in the league, probably next to like a guy like Hopkins and Michael Thomas. Those guys have some of the best hands. So um, another guy I wouldn't expect a whole lot more volume for this season, especially knowing that they did bring in a couple of tight ends, uh, you know, pass catching tight ends, too, as well with Olsen, uh, Disley, you know, being healthy again. They brought back Luke Wilson. So um, I'm not expecting a whole lot more volume. But with the efficiency of him combined with the efficiency of Russell Wilson, they make the most out of every play. So this guy only needs five or six catches to finish with 120 yards and a touchdown. And I love I absolutely love uh, going with Tyler Lockett in DFS just because I know I'm getting efficient when he's big. He's big. You'll see a couple dud games in there, obviously where, he, you know, it's not one of those passing offense dates, you know, that's the script isn't leading to a lot of throw, uh, throwing attempts. So obviously Lockett is going to suffer from those, but you get him in the right game script games, the ones that you know that they're going to have to be a little bit more competitive and especially the ones that are going to be competitive in the fourth quarter. You got to understand that Lockett's going to be getting probably three to four catches in the fourth quarter in that game. Cause Wilson just has all the trust in him. Yeah, I think Lockett is definitely his favorite receiver. The guy has obviously got elite speed. He's a really great route runner. And like you said, with his hands, some of those catches he made were just ridiculous. You know, last year, like, you know, against the sideline, back corner of the end zone, just amazing catches. And Russell Wilson knows how to put it in the right spot. But it's just he's made awesome catches. He, I, I like uh, Tyler Lockett probably a little more on fan duel because of like what you talked about. He only needs four or five catches and he can go off for a hundred yards and a touchdown or two. Uh, he had a couple games where he got a lot of targets and a lot of uh, uh, touch, a lot of receptions, but not, not that often. Um, so on, on DK, speaking of one of those big games, he had 40, a 43.2 
game, a 35, a 31, and a 29 game. So really solid. FanDuel, he's usually pretty a pretty decent price, and he doesn't need all those you know extra targets to get uh, extra receptions. So 33.7, 26.9, 24, and 22. So solid games there. Uh, again, not one of the most expensive guys. Again, in the middle tier price. So a great guy to target where you can get you elite upside with uh, middle tier uh, price there on, on DFS. So great, great target there as well. And again, you might want to attack him when you think that the Seahawks are actually going to be potentially down and they're not favored big, uh, big time, maybe not playing at home and they're not favored because a lot of times they're at home, they're favored and they just want to run the ball like crazy. So. Great point. Absolute great point. And it, I think that's going to be the tale that takes the Seahawks all season long. It's just going to be game script. Um, I know that's a big focus in any NFL game and any DFS kind of game that we're trying to target, but uh, probably no no more so than with the Seahawks, just the way that they control the clock and how many players are affected by this. And obviously, if the passing offense is you know due to suffer because of a game lead, then we know we can go to Chris Carson where you touched on it. The volume will be there for him. They have nobody else. And it's just like in basketball where we say minutes equal money. Uh, attempts equal money for run, for running backs. You know, we want the guys that we know. There's nowhere, you know, violating for the, you know, red zone target or the red zone uh, uh, carries from them. So I think I'm really in, intrigued by this offense. And I think I'm expecting a bigger season from Metcalf. So we're going to jump right into kind of our outlook and expectation for him. Uh Pretty good rookie season. Uh, bottom line, I think a lot of people were expecting less from him. He kind of fell in the draft. He struggled at the combine. He, uh, you know, we touched on it. He has blazing fast speed, four three four speed, uh, but not the most uh, agile guy. He struggled in that three cone drill, and he's not the best route runner. Something that he's working on is building his route tree. Uh, but I think overall, I, you have to kind of be pleased by the season he had. 100 targets, 900 receiving yards, seven touchdowns. Um, the thing he struggled with was the routes. The, fun, uh, the the drops, I mean, he had a 58% catch rate. We were just talking about Lockett's at 74 and 81 for comparison. A uh, guy had 58% catch. He was sixth in the league in drops. He had eight drops. So, uh, But he was also pretty pretty viable in the red zone with six receptions in the red zone. He's a big guy, 6'3 or 6'4, absolute physical specimen, and he's blazing quick. So he has a lot of the intangibles. But I wanted to hear from you. What kind of season, I guess, are you expecting from Metcalf? Uh, yeah, better, quick, worse? Uh, quick Metcalf story because if you haven't seen this, it's hilarious. You you probably saw it. I think it was that they're in the combine when they were evaluating him. He goes to meet with Pete Carroll and the Seattle staff, and he comes in there with his shirt off, DK Metcalf. <laughs> the guy's just ripped, and Pete Carroll looks up at him and just Pete Carroll rips his shirt off just to show him. I'm gonna take my shirt off too, and they're just laughing, <laughs> laughing their ass off. It was it was hilarious. Did you see that clip? I did actually. I I, I, I didn't see it, but I've heard I've heard them talk oh. about the story a few times. Yeah, look and it up if you haven't seen hilarious. it. It just shows you how Pete Carroll is an older coach, but how young he is at heart and how he relates to those players. Shows you why he's a great leader. But he really obviously he loves Metcalf. He believed in the kid, and uh, he, they, they were lucky that he fell in the second round. He's an absolute freak. Uh, he's you know, actually a pretty high-character, hard-working guy, and Russell Wilson loves him because of that. He loves his guy, loves the, the, the character in him, and Russell Wilson's helped motivate him to get better, I think, and Pete Carroll as well. So, yeah, this guy, you've seen it. He improved his route running, he, his route tree later in the year. Russell Wilson trusted him more and more and more. So you've seen how he came up big in the playoffs as well against, uh, I think, Green Bay. So he had some great games down the stretch there. They really had to rely on him because they didn't have much of a running game as well. So his top uh, DK games, 32 points, 
30 points and 20 points, and then FanDuel 25.5, 24, and 17. Another guy that you might target more on FanDuel, fairly affordable, uh, still high upside, and really more of a red zone threat, a big play type threat, not necessarily a PPR guy where he's going to catch eight to 10 balls. Um, but yeah, this guy has a lot of upside. You worry about his route running and his agility a little bit, being that he's kind of one-dimensional, just a go-route type guy, but he does have the physical traits to literally just outrun and outpower people. Uh, and that's why Russell Wilson is one of the only guys he just – he trusts him completely just to throw it up and let the guy go get it. Um, so, yeah, he's, 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 he's going to be good. I'm just not sure – with the tight ends, we're going to talk about how much uh, if that's going to take away some of his red zone targets and that type of thing. Um, so he is going to be the ultimate kind of boom or bust type guy, at DJ Metcalf. And I can see them continuing to get him involved because uh, really other than Lockett and Metcalf, uh, they don't have a lot at the wide receiver position. So, yeah, and I, I, I would actually, you know, think he's going to be a little bit more reliable this season just because we saw his snap count kind of increase as the as the year went on. Um, he, his route his route tree increased. They started getting a little bit more familiar. He was getting a little bit more experience, and they coaching staff felt more comfortable. Uh, and obviously, just by not bringing in a lot of receiving help and everything like that, I think that just goes to show that they're expecting a much bigger year from him as well this season. So um, I can definitely see on the games where they do need to throw him, almost getting uh, splitting receptions with a guy like Lockett. They're both going to be very reliable guys, I think, going forward. Um, barring you know, if if his catch percentage can increase, if he does kind of increase on the the little tangible things that some rookies struggle with so he wasn't like your regular Cordell Patterson or your you know the Devin Hester type kind of athlete coming out of college where they were like I don't know where to play this guy he's he's not really you know good at receiving he's not really good at corner uh but he's as fast as all hell so let's just put the ball in his hands he's not that he's actually a pretty solid receiver he has he's got good hands it's not like he can't catch the ball or anything like that it's just kind of getting a little bit more familiar and when you have a head coach like Pete Carroll who has confidence uh you know a guy that came out of a college you know out of USC out of a college system where he's used to dealing with young guys like this and I it's the it's the perfect fit for him so and it yeah, helps when you're I, able to I, like you there. I think that the only thing I was concerned with some of the red zone stuff mm-hmm. um whether you know he's still going to get some targets but I think that they're going to be targeting the tight ends more with having uh if their tight ends stay healthy um but yeah and again kind of boom or bust because it depends on the game script whether they're going to throw that much but yeah when they do throw and it's a good game script. Yeah, this guy is completely, he is 100% legit. Uh, he's like a poor man's Julio Jones, really. Uh, so he's, you know, he's very similar. Ryan's be a Julio Jones. He's got to improve his route running a little bit. But yeah, I, he's only going to get better. So definitely a guy that uh, a lot of people are going to be keeping an eye on. We'll see where he's priced at because uh, he did finish pretty strong last year. Yeah, and rightfully so. And then for third coming in, uh, you know, bringing back David Moore. Uh, another guy that struggled with injury, um, talented. He's very talented. He's, I think he's a great number three receiver. He's familiar with the offense. Um, I, I think you're going to get what you get out of him. If you're looking for him, it's probably in one of those scenarios where you're hoping Russ throws for 350 yards, three touchdowns, and then two of them are going to either like Metcalf and Lockett, and you get him as a one-off guy if you want somebody to get some low ownership, uh, cheap exposure. Um, but not a guy I'm going to, you know, out of my way to, you know, throw into a lineups. I think, like I said, I'm expecting both Metcalf and Lockett to each have over a thousand yards, each probably have close to 75 receptions uh, and be the focal point of the passing offense. And then they bring in a guy like Greg Olson, who's going to help them move the chains on third down when, you know, Lockett, he's seen a lot of double coverage last year. And I think that's also kind of what helped Metcalf is that the, 
uh, the, you know, the NFL, the league, and I think most of the perception around him was that this guy's not that good. So a lot of double coverage went to Lockett and it gave him a lot of opportunity. Yes, he dropped a lot of balls, um, but I think a lot of people kind of saw that as well. Um, you know, maybe Lockett does still see double coverage here and there in certain situations, but it's not going to be as much, I think, this season. So um, it, it's it's going to be tough for a guy like David Moore for me to imagine envision him getting more than six, seven hundred yards, handful of touchdowns, three or four, maybe. Um, but overall, not a guy I'm, I'm too intrigued about. What are your thoughts on him? Yeah, I, not not big on uh, David Moore. Um, I do like as an occasional kind of sleeper play. They did sign uh, wide receiver uh, Philip Dorsett. He was with New England last year. He had five touchdowns with New England last year. Not a ton of volume, though. Um, but I can see a player like Philip Dorsett, when they're in that passing mode, and Russell Wilson being so creative, being able to throw the deep ball, uh, and a lot of the coverage going towards Metcalf and Lockett, I could see Philip Dorsett having a couple good games. You know, he's definitely not the type of cash player guy you need. He's more of a GPP guy or someone that might surprise you at a minimum price and you, you end up hitting big on him where he has a, you know, a touchdown or two. He's that type of player. So Philip Dorsett's a guy just to keep an eye on, not necessarily a main target, but he is a solid wide receiver and he could thrive with Russell Wilson. That's yeah. the possibility. Uh, having an accurate quarterback is something that he's had throughout his entire career. Uh, you know, playing with Brady, playing with Luck, and then now going over there and playing with Russell Wilson. So uh, he's had his fair share of great quarterbacks to throw to him. So I, I can definitely see him being, like you said, a low-owned GPP, high-upside guy where he only needs two catches, 90 yards, and a touchdown. All of a sudden, you're looking at almost 20 fantasy points, and you got you probably got this guy 2.3% ownership for dirt, dirt cheap. Yeah, I like him as a guy that, and those again when uh, Russell Wilson's running around those off-script plays where Philip Dorsett is a lot of experience getting open and you know, reliable receiver. Last year he had DK games of 25.5, 18.5, and 13.6. So not bad considering he's a near minimum price guy. Uh, yeah, absolutely, so good call. So that's something that, again, those are those hidden gems that you have to keep an eye on. <laughs> and, yeah, th- those are the type of plays you have to play to really take down a GPP, like crazy stuff. Like, who would have thought to play Philip Dorsett, you know? Yeah. A lot of people didn't, might not even know early in the year that he's on the Seahawks. You yeah. know what I mean? <laughs> it's true. So, it's absolutely uh, true. Those guys do take down those big, big tournaments. And, um, you know, we'll, we'll touch on some strategy-based shows a little bit probably more once the season's getting ready to kick off. And he's one of those guys that it's all depending on, you know, what kind of game script and what kind of tournament you're in how many people what the payout is and he's not your cash game guy he's not your 50 50 guy um perfect perfect explanation he's the gpp guy at 2.3 percent ownership where there's 40,000 people in the contest that's going to help you take it down one maybe two out of the 16 weeks yeah you better have a high risk tolerance yeah the type of risk you have to take right if you want to get a one percent guy at minimum price and uh another big focus in this offense is going to be the tight end position. And speaking of guys that I didn't initially realize until I did a little more research of who was who Seattle signed, uh, let's have you talk a little bit about the, the new tight end that they brought in. Oh, yes, my boy, my boy, Greggy Greg, Greg Olson. So 
uh, as most of you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a Panthers fan. So, uh, you know, I've had the luxury of watching Greg Olson do some pretty spectacular things over there in Carolina for many years. And, you know, barring the injuries over the past few seasons, last season came out, showed that he could almost play a full entire season. Uh, you know, obviously, he's an older guy, veteran. He's going to get banged up here and there and need some rest. But 14 games is enough to show that he's still got a lot left in the tank to prove and a lot left to provide. And he did so with basically nobody at the helm at quarterback for the Panthers last season. So, uh, you know, we saw what he could do with a, a viable quarterback. The, part, the two prior seasons, I believe he only played nine and seven games. So it didn't put together a full season basically between the two of them. Broken feet, I think, at both of them. Uh, and that's one thing that's kind of always plagued him. But if he can get 14, 15 games in here with Russell Wilson, a great quarterback, uh, he's a great blocker. He's a great passer. Even when he was over there drafted by the Bears, he I think he had like some like four, 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 five. I think it was four, five speed, uh, a quick guy. Um, so I, I'm I'm intrigued by Greg Olson. I, I you know I think that he is as long as he's healthy going to be the main tight end. You'll see two tight end sets with Disley. Uh, but I think it's just you know Disley had a, a, a phenomenal season up until the point where he got hurt. Um, and I think that speaks more highly of how Russell Wilson targets his tight ends. We got to remember this is a team that brought in Jimmy Graham at one point because they wanted to utilize an athletic pass catching tight end that can move. Uh, obviously, Jimmy Graham didn't quite pan out, you know, the, the way that they would like in general. But um, I could see them kind of targeting the tight end often. Uh, last season, I believe they only targeted the tight end. What was it? Uh, 20.8% of the time. Year prior was 18.18% uh, of the time. But then we look at 2017. It was 25.3. And prior to that, it was about 20 as well. So um, I could see it going back up to maybe that 24 to 25% range in the target shares now that they have a little athleticism out there. Uh, and Greg Olson, if healthy, you know, maybe not the best red zone guy that they're going to target. He's good in the red zone. Um, but I can easily see maybe five touchdowns, six touchdowns, six, 700 yards. And, you know, that doesn't sound great but when you're talking about just a stable tight end where, you know, week in and week out, he's going to provide value and he's not going to be, you know, top of the you know price tag guys like Ertz, Kelsey, possibly Gronkowski. Now that he's back involved, uh, he's a good guy to target in the right situations where, you know, you need to go to eight to 10 points. Yeah, I agree. I, I, I'm pretty high on Greg, Greg Olson. Yeah, he's old. He's had, he's had a lot of injuries, but you think about he's kind of comparable to like a Jason Witten, you know, just a solid, really smart, tough tight end who knows how to get open, knows how to run routes and just really intelligent type player. And I think he's going to thrive with Russell Wilson, being that they have such a solid running game in this offense. Um, and he can help with that, but he's going to really help with these, uh, you know, little tight end screens and coming down the seam up in the middle. Russell Wilson will be able to find these tight ends. He's really good at that. Um, so, the, yeah, these are valuable part of the offense. And I think they, they want to throw to the tight ends, these big guys and create mismatches. And that's what Greg Olson, I think, is going to thrive in this offense. And I think he's going to be a good target. Uh, the only thing that's to be determined is what his uh, target share will be compared to Will Disley. Will Disley was like lighting the world on fire. Like he was a guy that like you, no one was on no one's radar. And he, in his six games, he caught 23 passes, 262 yards, but four touchdowns. And I want to say it was like three or four weeks in a row. He caught a touchdown like yeah. every single week. And when you got him at, again, near minimal price, scoring a touchdown every single week and getting a few yards. I mean, he was just super valuable. Uh, Will Disley top DK game was 22. And then he had a couple games over 18. And FanDuel, he was, had a game around 20, a couple games over 15. So he was solid in that short amount of time he played. So we'll, this is something we'll have to monitor closely. Um, it's one of those things where you could hedge it and build a couple of GPP lineups and maybe put Greg Olson in one and Will Disley in the other. Because those guys <laughs> are 
one of them is probably going to get a touchdown if they're passing the ball. So, and then they also had Jacob Hollister who came in late in the season when everyone was injured. And that's, this guy was uh, pretty solid as a receiver, 41 catches, 349 yards and three touchdowns. So he's one of the guys to keep in mind, but I don't see him getting as much as money snaps unless there's more injuries again. They were devastated in injuries last year. Uh, But, yeah, so it's another solid player there. But, yeah, Will Disley, Greg Olson, definitely guys that you have to keep an eye on. Let's see what their pricing is, and let's see what their target share is. And uh, they're going to be really good in this offense. Yeah, and then they also went out there and drafted uh, Kobe Parkinson in the fourth round out of Stanford. So he's another athletic tight end. Can't block to save his life. They used him more as a receiver out there in Stanford. They match him up on the inside, uh, take advantage against more, uh, smaller corners and smaller linebackers. He's about 6'7", 252, ran a 4'7 at the combine. Um, but, you know, again, not a good blocker. So he's going to be more of a red zone specialist type of guy. Uh, maybe a guy that they transition over years, work on his pass protection, work on his run protection. And eventually he kind of takes the crown and the throne away from uh, Olsen when he's ready to walk away. I think Olsen might be able to get this season maybe next season max just he's a family dude he's he's kind of he was ready to pretty much pack it in at one point uh but then once the teardown happened and he was able to get a full season under his belt he kind of wanted to go for a ring one more time so um I'm, I'm expecting some pretty good some pretty good things from the tight end position again with disley i believe one of his best games came against arizona last season who was notoriously known to be absolutely terrible against tight ends as well um, I think I, 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 we'll find out if I'm wrong or right, but I'm t- thinking it's just a product of the system, knowing that Russell Wilson likes to use the tight ends and that he was that safety valve, especially early on in the season when it was pretty much lock it or nothing. Uh, Metcalf, like I said earlier, he really came on probably in the later half, the last eight games of the season. I know his snap count significantly increased over the last five games uh, now going into the season. It, it's going to be probably Olsen uh, third and maybe fourth in target shares behind the running backs, but they have so many in that way that they can probably, uh, you know, dump it off to pro size. They can use Carson. They'll use Penny when they get back too. So I don't see any one of those guys really stepping out and being like, you know, fourth or third in targets on this team. So that's my approach. Um, not too interested in looking at Parkinson as far as DFS, just too young, too raw. I don't think that he'll be used that often. He might see a couple snaps a game, if anything, uh, barring injury. You know, maybe if we see something happen with Disley or, or Olsen and, and, and again, brought back Luke Wilson for the 2020 season. So he's got to leapfrog him on the depth chart as well. So more of a work in project uh, project for, for me. I don't know if you have any take on him or anything else on the tight ends in general. No, I think that's about it for the tight ends. The young guy, Parkinson, will help learn from veterans like Greg Olson, who's a, a great leader and will help help develop him. But mm-hmm. a lot of these guys we'll talk about in the draft are just developmental players that will be kind of the next next guys up. Um, and they're being smart by drafting guys that have talent that can learn from these veterans and develop. Um, they're not going to probably contribute right away. At least they hope they don't have to. If they're devastated by injuries, you never know, though, right? <laughs> yeah, sometimes um, you get thrown in the fire. Yeah, and then another thing I wanted to talk about was the offensive line. The offensive line wasn't that great. Uh, Obviously, gave up 48 sacks, uh, had some issues there. Um, They did pick up Dwayne Brown last year, so Dwayne Brown is a solid left tackle. If they can can keep him healthy all year, that's going to help him. I will give them credit that they were a top five rushing attack, so pretty good, uh, big offensive lineman, good at rush blocking, run blocking. Uh, and they did pick up some extra guys in the offseason to add depth because one of the issues with them is it's been like a revolving door of injuries and, you know, backup guys. And that's really hurt 
they hurt the run games on certain games and it's hurt uh, to be able to protect Russell Wilson. So they did pick up uh, tackles, Brandon Shell and Cedric Abouye. Uh, and those were a couple guys they picked up that are solid, that have started before, that are either going to be solid backups or compete for the right tackle position. And they picked up guard center B.J. Finney, who is a, also a solid player who compete. And uh, they picked up guard Chance Warmack, who'd been injured and he hadn't played in a few years. But if he can come back and uh, develop, he's another big guard that was a first round pick. Um, they still have Mike Upati and a few other guys there. So they got a pretty solid, some big guys inside and some solid tackles and a little bit more depth now. So I think that offensive line will be slightly improved. They were not that great last year, and that's going to help Russell Wilson have more time, and that's going to help this rushing attack. And that combined with guys like Greg Olson blocking in line as well is going to help this rushing attack. So I do see big things for that, for the offensive line improving uh, and being a little bit better there. Uh, what do you think? Any thoughts for you? Uh, you notice anything with the offensive line? I mean, as far as you, you hit the nail on the head when you talk about their run protection and, and, their, and their run blocking, um, you know, fifth in the league. And there's a reason why that guy like Carson was able to average 4.7 and Penny was up there at like 5.7 or whatever it was. Uh, and it's because of this run protection. So I, I expect them to be very good. I mean, obviously, bringing in the tight ends, bringing in a few, a few more guards, they're looking to try to help uh, protect Russell Wilson as well. Um, their guards have always been good. The tackles, that's what we want to see with the concern when we talk about sacks. So, um, you know, I'm really expecting that to be a point of emphasis. They're not going to want to let their guy get hit that often. We talked about a lot of it is sometimes, you know, Russ is willing to tuck it and go down with the play because he's making the right and smart decision. And they're looking at the long haul of the game. But, um, you know, bringing all those guards, it, you know, I kind of wish that they took a little bit more in the draft as well. I know they focus primarily on defense, uh, but. It wouldn't be shocked to see if, you know, they're going to be a competitive team. There's going to be teams that aren't competitive, that have good guards, good left tackles, good right tackles that want out if they do make some sort of midseason move at some point. Um, because this is this is their team. They didn't they didn't really make a big difference on offense. They they're willing to just roll out these guys again and kind of see what they have. But if push comes to shove, they're going to have enough talent. Like we said, they drafted a lot of like, I guess you could call them like G league developmental type players, guys that they're not ready to just to throw out into the wind. Those are also the perfect guys that you're looking to trade as well. If you want to try to get a veteran, uh, like a 10 year uh, tackle or 10 year guard in the league to kind of come over. Yeah. Yeah. Speak, speaking of the draft, um, they did pick up in the third round, Damian Lewis, who was a guard for LSU. So he played for the championship team there. So that's a, that's a good sign. He's a solid guard. They're going to develop kind of in uh, Mike Cupati's getting up there in age. So if he if he's uh, injured again or just not developed, not not playing well this year, they can develop that young guy from LSU, Damian Lewis. So I think that was a pretty good pick. Uh, again, they want to they want to solidify that offensive line and allow that that offensive line just to tee off on people and continue to be physical in the trenches. So that's a good pick for them. In terms of their other draft picks, yeah, they didn't make any splash draft picks where you're like, wow, that's amazing. I think it was kind of, like you said, under the radar, more developmental guys. Their first pick was at 27. They took Jordan Brooks at a linebacker, uh, Texas Tech. He's projected to be a middle linebacker. And this guy was a stud at Texas Tech, uh, you know, many seasons, over 100 tackles, uh, combined, you know, he's 240 pounds, six foot. He's pretty solid, strong player and a good inside linebacker. And he uh, he ran a four five four. So he's got speed as well to get to the edge. Um, so I think he's going to develop, uh, you know, behind some of those veteran uh, linebackers and, and he may contribute right away. 
Otherwise, uh, at least towards the end of the season, he'll 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 develop and contribute. He's a solid uh, linebacker. And then in the second round, they took Daryl Daryl Taylor, who's an edge rusher out of Tennessee. And Taylor is a good pass rusher, which is one of the things they really need. Uh, he had eight and a half sacks last year at Tennessee. Um, I mean, I, we should mention obviously that uh, they still may sign Jadavion Clowney, but right now they don't have him, and they don't know if they're going to be able to fit him under the cap. And so that was probably the biggest thing that plagued this defense was the, the fact that they couldn't get a good pass rush. Um, so that could help them as well. You talked about Kobe Parkinson, and we already talked a lot about DJ Dallas. Um, and that was the main guys that they, they in their draft that were significant um, that, I, that I thought could make a contribution. Um, you want to talk a little bit about uh, Freddie Swain, who was the guy they took out of Florida wide receiver? Yeah, I think I think Swain's going to be. We saw Lockett returning a lot of punts, a lot of kicks last season. Uh, you know, David Moore was pretty much the other option for punts. Obviously, Lockett's their go-to guy. He's Russell Wilson's favorite target. We've seen many guys early on in their career, you know, be a very, you know, be the number one receiver and also be a punt and kick returner. Uh, but generally, you see coaches trying to tend away from that. You don't want that guy taking big hits. You don't want, you know, obviously you try to fair catch some. That that's one way we see guys lose. Uh, you know. Uh, be out four weeks, one concussion like that, blind hit when you're looking up in the sky and you're done. Um, we've seen guys' careers get ended almost, like Darren Sproles from punt returns and kick returns from just dirty hits sometimes. So you try not to put your best players in vulnerable positions like that. So I think Swain uh, has a decent chance to kind of play a, play a decent amount of special teams, uh, be that fourth or fifth receiver kind of working his way up the depth chart if we can kind of prove it, um, but more or less a special team type guy that might be able to siphon away a few punt returns and kick returns from guys like Lockett and David Moore. Yeah, Swain has decent size. I think he was six foot one ninety seven, and he had four four speed. Mm-hmm. So he's a bigger, you know, bigger, pretty big guy. Uh, decent, decent production, but nothing elite there. But he was a really good uh, punt and kick returner. So yeah, and it's it doesn't make sense to risk Tyler Lockett, one of the most important players in your offense, to risk him getting injured in special teams when you can have a younger guy with the speed as well that can that can fill in there. So um, and then the final thing, um, what do you think about uh, Seattle's defense in terms of how you might attack them? And um, and what do you think about, you know, if you potentially play Seattle's defense for uh, defense uh, in uh, in your lineups as well? Uh, What's your opinion on that on that? So it's not really a a defense I want to target as far as playing them on my team. Uh, They struggled mightily last season. Uh, I believe that they were to the 22nd overall ranked defense when it came to points allowed, 26th when it came to yards allowed. So they were one that we were able to kind of target pretty early and often. Uh, And I mean, you know, losing some major pieces, you know, Clowney coming back might have a major impact on how we, you know, view their defense going forward. But we've kind of seen that secondary fall apart over the past few years, guys finding different places in different homes and still being just as good a player as we were talking about Richard Sherman uh you know there's there's it's tough I don't expect them to take a big step forward yes they drafted a bit a lot of defensive players but none of them are going to be immediate impact players they still have Bobby Wagner they still have some you know big hit players if they get Clowney back you know maybe but I think that we're still going to be able to target them um you know severely I think the secondary would probably be more often than not the better position to target if you're looking against uh wide receivers going against them but as far as playing them in our own DFS lineups Probably not going to happen for me. They just didn't look like they improved that much at all. Um, and they don't even have that big edge rusher guy at this moment. 
Yeah, that, I agree. They're definitely not the Legion of Boom anymore that people no. used to think of, right? I mean, they, um, and who knows? They might not even have a home field advantage. You know, I keep bringing up, you know, we don't know if the stadium's going to be full or not. I, I don't know. You know, maybe that'd be weird. But uh, so, yeah, not the Legion of Boom. Struggled in past, in, in the pass rush, which gives the quarterback a lot of time to hit their second and third reads and to make big plays, uh, the opposing quarterback. So when they're going up against uh, solid offenses and the opposing team, that's when uh, you want to target them. Uh, you know, quarterbacks and receivers, the fact that they're not going to, the quarterback's not under much pressure and the secondary is kind of average. They're not, they're not horrible, but they're not elite as well. Uh, so you can definitely target them in the passing game. Uh, the run game, they're pretty solid up front with, you know, uh, Jerron Reed, a de- defensive tackle, uh, Bobby Wagner, and some of those guys still. So they're still formidable, formidable uh, against the rush. They're decent. Uh, but, uh, you know, definitely attack them in the pass game. And that's a game where you might uh, you might do a game stack and bring back uh, DK Metcalf on the other side or, or, or Tyler Lockett or Russell Wilson or something if you're attacking their defense, you know, um, if you think it's a game that's going to shoot out, um, which they don't like we discussed earlier, they don't want to get into that type of game. So they won't unless they have to. But there are some games where if their defense can't stop them, um, that, that'll turn into that type of game. Yeah. And I, and I think one point of emphasis we can put on their defense as well is that we know in DFS, a lot of the times when we're looking at stacks, we tend to you know take our running back, the best running back and try to couple it with the defense. And, all, and it's simply for a correlation play. You know, we want that guy to be closing out the fourth quarter. We want them to have a lead because the defense is playing well. It goes hands in hand kind of thing. I don't think we can view Carson in that same way just because of how bad this defense was last season. The fact that they don't really have an edge rusher. Their secondary, you know, while it didn't allow that many passing touchdowns, I think they were seventh overall in passing touchdowns allowed. Um, they still gave up plenty of yards, plenty of yards after the catch and plenty of yards per attempt. I think they were 22nd in yards per attempt uh, against their secondary. So, uh, um, I don't I'm not going to be looking at them to pair with Carson. I think Carson's going to be that one off guy. And if I'm playing another running back that's maybe a little bit more expensive, I'm going to look to couple that, uh, you know, that defense. Or you can get a guy like me and Santino will talk about tomorrow, like Mostar, uh, and then couple him with this uh, unbelievable San Francisco 49ers defense. And he probably won't even be that expensive either. But um, that's kind of the only point I wanted to bring up with their defense and looking at pairing him with Carson. Yeah, you probably wouldn't do that. The only time I might use their defense is at a GPP if they're at home and they're playing like a rookie quarterback or a quarterback that's really struggling with turnovers or a team that their offensive line is really struggling. There's always certain situations where you can get those sleeper defenses and you you wouldn't think to ever play Seattle's defense the way they play, but they're the type of defense that do, do they do have some playmakers, so they could have a, a couple big games here and there. But yeah. You know, you definitely want to uh, take approach that with caution, but mm-hmm. it's one of the things where you got to find those hidden gems. So there, there's always certain quarterbacks you can target uh, that are really bad, you know, that you might be able to look at there. Um, but yeah, the, the, they have a really solid division, hard to target anyone in the division. Um, but when they're playing those non-division games and playing uh, inexperienced quarterbacks, then uh, you may play them occasionally because they're going to be really low priced as well. Absolutely. Good point. Good point. And it looks like we're coming up on the 58 minute mark, man. So uh, I think that's that's probably going to wrap us up. I think we've you know, we've touched on um, pretty much everybody in this offense. We touched on the major points of their defense, kind of what we're expecting from both. Um, I think it's a good time to maybe give our Twitter a quick shout out. So if you can find me at Mike Apatria, M-I-K-E-A-P-O-T-R-I-A, Shane, 
always unprepared when it comes to Twitters. I know you probably heard that over the show, so I'm not going to even butcher. I'm going to let you just read your own out for us, brother. Yeah, mine is uh, D-E-T Sports Shane. So D-E-T Sports Shane. So uh, hit me up on Twitter. Um, and also mention that, uh, you know, members right now in our uh, in our uh, Discord, you can sign up and join our Discord, Discord group. We have all kinds of awesome uh, simulation fantasy contest that you can play in, which is really fun, very competitive. And that helps get you get practice for building lineups for the regular season. And once you sign up right now, you'll have access to all three sports. Uh, we do uh, basketball, baseball and football. And also your account is frozen at that point until sports start back up. So you're going to be good to go. So you'll be a member until sports starts up and then you'll you'll be able to uh, use lineups and all the great advice that we give so you're you'll be locked in there uh so it's definitely a great sports community if you like fantasy sports and you want to be able to get that inside edge we hand build all our lineups uh we're not using optimizers uh, so we dive into a lot of statistics but we use the eye test and our in-depth knowledge of watching the players and understanding the systems and the coaching and all those philosophies uh, we use that, that to gain an edge and a, a huge advantage uh, with our sports there. So that's really what we're all about at DFS Coach Talk. Uh, we have an awesome community. Very well said, brother. Couldn't have said it any better myself. You would have thought that you were part of that community for a while, and you still are, obviously, but now you're on a different side of it, and we're happy to have you here, man, and call you one of our pros, especially for the NFL. I had a great time doing today's show, and uh, if you guys liked it and you listened, we, we would really appreciate it. If you can go uh, you know, go on, jump jump on YouTube, subscribe, give us a thumbs up. You can find it on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Podbean, iHeartRadio, uh, pretty much anywhere you can find a podcast, you can find us. And now you can even go take a look at our ugly mugs. So yeah, I'll give you a nice smile. We're here. Uh, so we, we, we greatly appreciate that, guys. It means a lot to us. And, uh, you know, we'll be back tomorrow. It'll be me and Santino on tomorrow. I, I kind of already alluded to it, uh, talking about somebody else over there across the division, the 49ers at the Bay. Uh, really excited to talk about them. Very young, uh, exciting team. Uh, really smashed through the expectations of last season. So really looking forward to kind of get, break them down. But uh, it was a pleasure, my good friend. Uh, and I will be looking forward to our next show together. Uh, I know you're you're bringing a ton and a wealth of knowledge surrounding the NFL. You could tell that you're a guy that dives into these stats and you really take your research serious. And uh, again, I can't I can't stress enough how, how how excited I am about working with you and you know how great of an asset you're going to be over here for everybody in DFS Coach Talk. So um, I think that's pretty much all we have. So if you want to just take us out, anything last you'd like to say before we take off? No, thanks, Mike. I appreciate you having me on. I appreciate all the good uh, good information that we shared together. And like I said, we're going to be creating a huge advantage by diving into these teams this in-depth, you know, uh, early in the season. And we're going to be prepared going into preseason and, and whenever the regular season is. Uh, so, yeah, this, this NFC West is a great division. So definitely listen. If you haven't listened to the other podcast we did, uh, we've already done the Rams and the Cardinals. And there was a lot of hidden gems and good nuggets in there as well. Um, and we're really excited uh, for these podcast previews and really excited for the NFL year. So, yeah, if you want to learn some in-depth stuff, check out these podcasts. Uh, we're really excited to do them. And we're, we're really preparing ahead of time and using this shutdown as, as an advantage for us. Absolutely. And we got to take every advantage you can get, especially in DFS. So that's all we have from you, from everybody over here at DFS Coach Talk, from me, from Shane. Thank you guys for listening. We'll be back tomorrow to break down the 49ers. Take care, guys. Stay safe. And uh, let's stay inside for just a little bit longer, I think, just to be safe. Take care, guys.